Welcome to the DeFi Horizon podcast, where we explore DeFi, synthetic assets, and the potential impact they will have on our economy. I am your host, Stanton Wong, the Education Director of the Horizon Protocol Project, and welcome to our very first episode. For our first episode, we will be briefly exploring three questions. What is DeFi? What are synthetic assets? And what is Horizon Protocol? To explore these three questions, we will be joined by Jay, a great friend of mine and one of the core team members of Horizon Protocol. Welcome, Jay. Thanks, Danton, for having me. Glad to be here. For today, this is the first episode. We're going to just dive into a few of the terms that the podcast is going for. So the first question that we have is, what is DeFi? And I would like you to help me kind of define DeFi a bit for the audience who might not be as familiar. So how would you define DeFi? I would say on a very high level that DeFi is just essentially trying to add trust to finance. And how it does that is basically by using blockchain and smart contracts, you remove the trust aspect of finance. DeFi stands for decentralized finance, right? So can you tell me more about why, like what is decentralized about it? So the decentralized aspect is the blockchain in which the decentralized application runs on. So if a blockchain is decentralized, such as Ethereum, for example, meaning that no, there's no one entity that controls the blockchain or what goes on the blockchain, then that is what decentralized means. Got it. So the, the obvious um, counterexample is is um, centralized finance, which is what we have in traditional finance today with banks and hedge funds, et cetera. So what I'm, what I'm understanding is that with decentralized finance, we're talking about um, much more transparency because the content of these transactions are all on a public blockchain. Decisions are typically made in a more decentralized way, while with traditional and centralized finance, it's much the power is much more centralized. So decisions tend to be um, made by a few people on the very top, and a lot of the financial transactions could be hidden from the public. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I would say like DeFi is just trying to bring a lot of the opportunity, the financial opportunities that exist in the centralized world, and in a fair way, bring them to everyone else in a decentralized, trustless manner. And because the centralized financial world as it currently exists is very unfair and usually only the rich people get to benefit from it um, while like other people are just unaware of it or don't have access to it and uh, decentralized finance kind kind of tries to bridge that gap by bringing finance to everyone regardless of where they live how much money they have or any other restrictions it's true that a lot of traditional finance has a lot of um, gates that you have to cross through. Uh, we know that finance benefits people with more money a lot because you can make money with money. And a lot of financial systems in place right now, those opportunities are only available to people with money. So with DeFi, you're saying that those opportunities are much more transparent and accessible to a lot more people. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So Let's go into a few examples. Like, what are some examples of DeFi that's currently available in crypto? I would say the most basic example of, 
of a DeFi application would just be allowing someone to essentially trade one asset to another. And that's like the innovation of decentralized exchanges. When you allow that functionality on the blockchain, it creates a whole world where people can just trade anything they want without any restrictions. And it also creates a world where people can also supply their capital to these exchanges to be used as liquidity for people to trade. And in return, they are incentivized by earning a percentage of the trading fees. So it's an all-inclusive ecosystem and anyone can participate based on what you know they can bring to the platform. So that, that would be kind of the most basic example, but a lot of other DeFi applications are built on top of that which, you know, you can start getting into other DeFi applications like um, borrow and lending, for example, where people with certain capital can lend it out to people who are looking to borrow it, and then they can earn an interest rate. And then people who borrow have to pay an interest rate. And you can do this all in a decentralized, trustless way. You don't know who you're borrowing from, but the protocol itself essentially allows it to happen because all of the source code is transparent so people can essentially see how the whole system works and they don't have to trust some like centralized middleman, you know, rely on them that they're going to be, you know, operating in everyone's best interests. So yeah, those are just two examples. I mean, there, there are so many potential examples of DeFi applications and you can get into synthetic assets. You can get into like hedge funds and like yield optimizers and, Basically, what the DeFi world is trying to do is find, like, discover new ways to bring new financial opportunities into the DeFi world. You know, one is to bring from the centralized world into the decentralized world. And another is trying to innovate completely new concepts that haven't even existed before. That's really cool. I was thinking that, like, in a straight up comparison is, for example, with exchanges, there's always been liquidity pools involved. We just never knew about it. So an example is Robinhood and Citadel. Robinhood and Citadel, the relation, part of the relationship is that there is a liquidity pool somewhere where they have to have enough liquidity for all the trades to happen. And so DeFi, we're essentially making that liquidity pool accessible for individuals and retail investors to be part of. They can earn the interest from the liquidity pool and also help facilitate a decentralized system that does not require entities like Citadel or Robinhood, which are centralized um, entities to be in control of everything. And same with lending and borrowing. Traditionally, we get most of the lending and borrowing via the bank. The bank is in charge of handling collateralization of assets and then lending out money for cash flow. So having it uh, on DeFi makes it so that individuals can leverage smaller amounts of money and be part of a larger uh, system that offers lending and borrowing. Yeah, I would add one important part too, which is, you know, in your Robinhood Citadel example, that relationship is very not transparent. And there's, you know, there's like a lawsuit about that, whether it's, you know, they were operating in an ethical way or not. So that is a big part of what decentralized finance solves is that level of trust that you don't really know, like these institutions that you interact with in the centralized financial world, you don't even know if they're even doing legal things and leveraging your money in a way that you don't know about. And, you know, you just hope that they're doing everything right. Yeah, I, I think 
the more I'm hearing about this, the more it leans towards DeFi really is about trust and transparency and just helping uh, the current process, which is relatively opaque and centralized, to have more of the content be transparent and more easily accessible to everyone. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned synthetic assets. That is one of the main topics that we want to cover on the DeFi Horizon podcast. So would you be able to tell me a bit about what synthetic assets are? Sure. Synthetic assets are basically just a representation of another asset. So in the blockchain world, a synthetic asset is like a tokenized version of some other asset, but it has many of the same properties of that other asset. Synthetic assets can kind of make accessing certain assets easier and create opportunities to use that asset in different ways that you couldn't use the other asset in. So it opens a door to a whole world of derivatives, which is in the centralized world is probably the largest, most used aspect of traditional finance because it, it makes investing easier by creating like baskets of assets or like index funds or something like that. Like the S&P 500 is a derivative. There's a lot of quality of life and opportunity that comes from synthetic assets. And when you bring it to the blockchain, it opens up an even bigger world. So let's go with a few examples because I think, I think synthetic assets is relatively hard to understand. There's mm -hmm. a lot of terms um, I think the general public would not be as familiar with, including derivatives. If we break it down, because I'm also a very big proponent of what synthetic assets can bring to the blockchain ecosystem. And so I think it's really important to kind of talk through what are the possibilities with this. Let's go with the most basic, just to help people understand what synthetic assets are, regardless of whether or not they're useful. Um, what is the most basic version of a synthetic asset that we see on the blockchain right now? Yeah, so I think the most basic version would be like, for example, on Ethereum, you can have, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are two separate tokens, right? Like Bitcoin exists on the Bitcoin blockchain, Ethereum exists on the Ethereum blockchain. A simple synthetic asset would be what wrapped Bitcoin is on Ethereum. So what wrapped Bitcoin is, is essentially it's a bridge that allows people to take their Bitcoin and then create a, a representation of that Bitcoin on Ethereum. It has the same properties on the Ethereum blockchain as on the Bitcoin blockchain in terms of its price. So it maintains its value, but it's not actually Bitcoin. You know, it's a tokenized ERC-20 version of Bitcoin. So that, that would be, I guess, a, a basic version of synthetic assets. Essentially, synthetic assets are anything that's following all the rules or mimics the price of another asset, but it's not the original asset. Yeah, it's not the original, but it often opens up opportunities to that underlying asset. So because you can have Bitcoin on the Ethereum blockchain now, now you can use Bitcoin to participate in DeFi, for example. I could then use my Bitcoin, supply it as liquidity to Uniswap and earn trading fees that, you know, that wasn't possible on Bitcoin. Huh. Yeah, so bridging is, a, is going to be a huge part because... Obviously, there are a lot of different tokens, and, and each one has value in itself, Bitcoin being the most obvious one. And because Bitcoin on its own chain doesn't have any smart contract capabilities to leverage Bitcoin as collateral for decentralized finance, you have to wrap it in some way. And the, the only way to do that is through synthetic assets. 
Yeah. So synthetic acids is very broad. So there's a lot of ways to, to create synthetic assets. You know, wrapping Bitcoin between blockchains is one of the ways, but there are many other ways. You know, like USDT is a synthetic of uh, USD, you know, the fiat. There's different ways. One is backed by like the actual asset or it, there's other ways where you could back it by other assets that aren't itself. Um, and this happens in the traditional financial world as well. Or there are algorithmic ways to back something, you know, and that's where they use, you know, different incentives to try to essentially guarantee the value of something. Because the most important part of synthetic assets is the backing mechanism. Because it's not the real version, but it acts like the real version. You have to make sure that the value that, that is collateralizing the synthetic asset is always there and guaranteed so that any at any point, someone can take their synthetic asset and return it to the original asset. Mm, that's fascinating. Like I, I'm thinking that from the description so far, synthetic assets are, like you said, very, very broad. They could encompass anything as long as they're a representation of something else. And just to summarize, the backing mechanism is the most important part because you have to have the right information to be able to transact back and forth between the real asset and the synthetic asset. If, if that was part of the case, for example, in the form of wrapped tokens. Earlier, we mentioned um, the S&P 500 as a synthetic asset. The S&P 500 is a representation of 500 stock um, equities in the US market. The ETF, which is just uh, taking all of that and creating an index out of it that people can trade on, um, that's a representation of the 500. I believe the way they collateralize it is to own a certain amount of the assets. They help users buy all those assets. And there's a centralized mechanism that they're using to essentially maintain the equilibrium of how much of the ETF is owned versus how much of the equities are held. Yeah, there, there's a lot of regulation on this, but yeah, they essentially they have to prove a certain level of backing so that at any point someone can take the S&P 500 asset and potentially convert it into those 500 stocks at any point. So yeah, that, that's, that's the most important part. And that, that's the part that needs to be trusted in the centralized world in order for that the S&P 500 to exist and and for people to actually want to trade it. So people trust it completely. So that's why it's the biggest and most traded asset. Got it. The last, the last topic that I want to kind of touch on, because we've touched on DeFi and synthetic assets, which is the base layer of everything that we as a team are doing. We're going to do just five minutes on Horizon Protocol as well as a quick introduction if you were to explain what Horizon Protocol is in two or three sentences, how would you explain it? Yeah, so Horizon Protocol is a protocol that allows you to back and create synthetic assets, any synthetic asset. So essentially is a protocol that allows you to collateralize and create synthetic assets and then also trade them. I'd say on a basic level, that's that's what it is. Got it. With Horizon Protocol, I think for the general public, the basic understanding should be that it facilitates the creation and backing of synthetic assets and then also provides a myriad of features for uh, leveraging and using these synthetic assets, whether it's to just do exchanges, 
um, get access to interesting synthetic assets, and also in the future, providing opportunities to leverage it for lending, collateralizing on other platforms, et cetera. Yeah. And also just, you know, I'll offer other financial instruments where those synthetic assets can be used. So um, based on our recent roadmap update, the team is working hard on trying to create a futures exchange where people can trade all the synthetic assets on Horizon Protocol in a futures exchange with in using leverage and in being able to long and short in these things. And I know down the line, they want to create like an options exchange. There's a lot. Yeah, there's endless uh, different financial instruments and opportunities that Horizon Protocol can bring to the synthetic assets that they create. Awesome. I, I know one term that we've internally been using a lot is DeFi derivatives, which I would define as kind of a more specific piece of synthetic assets, which tends to be extremely broad. So we'll, we'll do a future episode on specifically DeFi derivatives and how Horizon Protocol is building out all the, all the features and kind of uh, systems to allow that to occur. But in that case, I think, I think that's it for the first episode. We've gone through so much content. It's, it's a lot just trying to define DeFi synthetic assets and what Horizon Protocol does as an introduction. I'm sure we'll come back to these topics in future episodes to kind of flesh it out some more. But for now, I think this is a great first episode. Thank you very much, Jay, for joining me for this and um, sharing your knowledge on on these pieces. It, it's so much easier to have a conversation than to try to explain all of this myself. So thank you very much for joining me. Sure, no problem. Thank you for having me.